Welcome to The Moon in Your Mind with your hosts, Chelsea Winter and Alyssa Ray. We are on a mission to build a community of empowered individuals to stay curious in their work, their relationships, and daily lives. By interviewing experts and uniting astrology and psychology, we will hold the space to connect you to new wisdom, unique stories, and insightful resources for you to cultivate your best human experience. Let's get curious. You guys, we are so excited to share with you our newest offering, the Cosmic Consulting Program. We are combining my wisdom of astrology and Alyssa's background in somatic psychology to support you in finding more authentic alignment and embodiment in your life. As your cosmic consultants, we will provide you with a juicy and actionable natal chart reading, a consultation session with both Alyssa and myself, as well as a nourishing somatic coaching session with Alyssa. And If you wanted to go even deeper, we are also offering two add-ons that you can choose from, a personalized journal or a personalized meditation crafted by Alyssa and myself based on your chart, consultation, and coaching session to continue diving deep into this work. Or you can just choose both. If you're ready to get started, shoot me an email at chelsea at themooninyourmind.com and we'll schedule a consult. We can't wait to support you on your journey. Hello, everyone. We are so excited for this week's episode with the one and only Atara Valentine, founder of The Seed Level. Atara is a certified hypnotherapist and embodiment coach with specialized training in transformative breathwork, inner child healing, emotional freedom technique, trauma recovery, mental and emotional release therapy, neurolinguistic programming, PTSD, cancer, law of attraction, immune disorders, and body image. It's so much. We love it. (laughs) But simply put, Atara says, I teach people how to be themselves. And let's be honest, we all need that. So welcome, Atara. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And it's it's so funny to hear that back because it lets me know why I'm so exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you have so much to offer, which is great, but I'm sure it's tiring. Yeah. So we start every episode. We'll dive into your sun, moon, and rising. So you sent over before this. So your sun is in Aries, and then your moon and rising are both in Aquarius. So I see this. I love it. I am also a double Aquarius. I'm a with Leo instead of Aries, but every time I see the air and fire, I get very excited. So with that, you know, and tell me what resonates, what doesn't resonate, but you know, you're definitely an individual. You definitely don't like to go with the crowd. You like to stand out. You care very deeply about humanity and connecting with others and helping other people. Very creative, hardworking. And then, you know, Aries highest vibration, which I think we can all agree you're doing is really inspiring others through your compassion for other people and showing them how to be their best selves. Does that all sound good? Totally wrong? Yeah, no. That, yeah. I'm like, actually, I lied. I'm a Taurus and my rising Scorpio. No, yeah, I would say 100%. And it's funny because I think one of the blessings of actually going through a process with yourself on your own terms to discover pieces that maybe are less realized is when I was thinking back at the version of myself that I lived the majority of my life as so much of what you just said to me would have been incredibly triggering because I wasn't showing up as that person at all. So it's really nice to be sitting here and being able to fully receive that and also understand it. So yeah, spot on. Wow. Yeah, no, that's so, that's great. I love to hear that. And, you know, doing astrology, like one of the things I'll run into readings and I'll work with people who are like, no, 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 no. And then 
you know, they'll come back to me a few weeks later and they'll be like, all right, I've really been thinking about it. And maybe it is true. And maybe I just don't recognize it. And I feel like, totally. you know, we've already talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but curiosity, I always tell people, I'm yeah. like, if it doesn't resonate with you, like be curious, think about it and see what mm-hmm. comes up. You never 100%. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, kind of playing off of that, you know, let's talk about your childhood and your upbringing. So, it sounds like maybe you were not embodying the Aries and Aquarius that you are now. So, you know, what did your childhood look like? Yeah, so it's really interesting and totally ties in from the perspective that we're speaking on because my childhood essentially taught me that who I was was not right. My interests weren't normal. I wasn't normal. What I wanted to focus my attention on wasn't okay. And what I learned very quickly in my life was anything that I feel or want for myself as an individual seems to have some kind of negative effect on me when I share it. So I learned at a very early age to unplug from myself and really constantly learn how to plug into my environment or people around me because that was the only place any kind of positive association or connection was coming from, right? By being a good student, I would naturally want to dress a certain way and I'd be told, don't do that. And that's embarrassing. So dress the way that my parents told me I should. Don't do this. You want to dance. You want to sing. Well, you can't do that. You're going to play baseball and basketball instead. Okay. Right. And, but there was a part of me, even though I was trying to do it, I've never been good at faking things, right. As, as hard as I've tried. So I was the kid who would, you know, play baseball and I would just stand there and not even swing, you know, and there's a video I shared to my Instagram, but, and that's where I really felt kind of that Aries coming in, like where I'm like, I'm going to try and I'm going to, you know, connect with you because that's what my trauma upbringing taught me how to do. But then there was just this inherent piece that was also like, but I'm still going to figure out a way to do whatever the fuck I want to, right? That's your Aquarius or, coming in. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what was interesting is there's a video and I'll, have to, I'll share it and I'll tag you guys once this comes out because it's so funny. Maybe you could share it with the episode. But there's a video of me where I'm going up to bat and I'm more concerned about how my shirt is tucked in than actually hitting the ball. So I drop the bat on the ground and I unbutton my pants and I start tucking it in for like... <laughs> way too long, right? So I always still within the construct that I was told I had to live within, try to find a way to connect with myself and basketball too. When I did my basketball photo, that was the only thing I was looking forward to. And we had this kind of teal shirt. And so I bought this watch that had teal in the strap and I was wearing my glasses and I bought glasses specifically for, and I like did the wave in my hair because it was the eighties, you know, we used to like (laughs) put gel and mess it up and then like kind of comb it and then brush it out with a blow dryer. So it was huge and fluffy. And I remember showing up for the practice, um, showing up for the photo shoot, which is the whole point of being in basketball for, for who I was as a child. (laughs) And... (laughs) And my coach yelled at me and told me I had to take my watch off because you don't wear a watch while you're playing basketball. And I was like, but we're not playing basketball. We're taking a picture, right? And I picked this Mm -hmm. out because it matches my shirt. And I, I made such a big deal about it until he was like, just do whatever you want. And so I'm like holding the basketball and tilting my hands so that you can see my watch (laughs) to match the shirt. So, so there was always that piece of myself that when I I would find a really small inkling of hope and I would try and find a little window to express myself through that, right? 
And the moment that last little thing would be compromised where I felt totally pushed against the wall is really when my true self would come through, where I'd be like, no, not doing that. That's not going to happen. I won't do this, right? But it always took me, even leading through adulthood, kind of hitting a rock bottom for that part of me to activate because the people-pleasing part of me, the codependent part of me, was the thing that I learned I had to lead with in order to have value, right? So it's really interesting, kind of full circle, taking everything that we're talking about with what you said now and being able to be like, yes, that is exactly who I am because I compromised by force. I had to most of who I was because my internal life and my family told me I wasn't allowed to do that. My stepdad was very emotionally and physically abusive, right? So I was constantly looking for a way to stay safe. Then I was bullied in school, so I didn't have that there either. My mom, you know, was in an abusive relationship, so I didn't feel like I could go to her with anything because she was dealing with her own problems. So I just learned to shrink and hide and disconnect myself from everything. And um, that's been so much of my journey has been trying to figure out how to make myself happy, how to find satisfaction internally instead of constantly playing the game and trying to hit the markers that are supposed to mean, you know, I did this, so that means I should feel successful and I'm this weight now, so that means I'm skinny and I look like this or I'm going to do this thing or get this haircut, so then I'll be attractive if I do this or if I have this or that. And I constantly chased. But then when I did get to that end point, I still couldn't receive it because that line always moved. And I just got to the point where it's like, I'm sick of chasing this because I just feel even more empty after I was going through all of these processes. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's it's definitely heartbreaking to hear about that in your childhood. And I can see how because you're able to reflect on that so boldly and openly, that was the catalyst to where you are today, right? And when do you feel like like looking back in your teenage years and your young adult years was the point where you were like, no more, I can't keep trying to fit in these boxes? Yeah, so for me, I had a few, uh, I mean, you could call them role models, people I looked up to, who like Madonna for me was huge. I love that. Right? Like I made a life-size paper mache Madonna oh when God. I was like in I had this one art teacher, the only art teacher who ever <laughs> actually supported anything in creativity. So I went to this uh -huh. program we did paper mache. Everyone else made like, you know, little you know, maybe two foot high versions of the Energizer Bunny. I made like a five foot Madonna <laughs> straddling on her knees wearing like the cone bra with her hands over in the ponytail. Oh my God. And Please tell me you still have that. I wish I did. Oh. I actually threw it in the garbage and somebody stole it. So it probably became a weird sex toy for someone, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But, um, but when I learned about her, I was like, because my stepdad's family was from Michigan and I went to Michigan. I was like, this is Michigan. Like, this is what people are like. How is Madonna from here? Because she seemed like, I couldn't even imagine her being a height because she seemed so larger than life, right? So I really modeled so much of my, I guess, like, bravery off of her at a young age. I, I had every single poster, shirt, was in the fan club, all of this stuff, because I just wanted to understand how she went from being, quote unquote, a normal person who lived in Michigan to being Madonna right? Who has one name. I found it so fascinating. So that really helped guide me through. And I would always say like, and this became a t-shirt years later, but I'm going to take credit for it because <laughs> I was saying this when I was like a child, like what would Madonna do? 
What would Madonna do? And I really use that to motivate me. And I think that's such a great way for us to use comparison in a healthy way because a lot of us use comparison to tear ourselves down or to make ourselves feel like we're further away from things than we are because maybe we're scared, right, to make the change. Or so we look for the reason someone is better than us or why they have something and why we can't. But if we can actually look at them, you know, from a more neurolinguistic programming perspective as they know how to do something that I don't whether that's embodying confidence, whether that's expressing themselves clearly. So how can I observe this person and really look at what their strategy is for showing up? What do I think they think when they're walking into a room versus what I'm thinking? Where can I adjust these behaviors to kind of match them? And that was such a gift for me and really allowed me to come to this place where I could work with people. Because again, that word that we talked about often, I know is going to keep popping in here, curiosity, is really the thing that leads us if we allow it to, because the opposite of being curious is being fearful, right? And not allowing ourselves to think or to go there because we don't want to disturb the construct of our comfort zone, right? So I think when we can find people that are inspiring to us, if we can use it as an opportunity to learn from them instead of tearing ourselves down, there's so much opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think... The way that you frame that, like if we're just curious about what it is that we even want to tear them down for, maybe we'll find out like that's actually our drive right there. Like that's a light inside of us too. We just have to step towards it and not like push away from it. Yeah. And kind of just to jump on that, because you said something slightly different, which was if we want to tear them down, Mm. if we want to tear them down, that's probably a direct link to what your shadow is because they're fully embodying it and it's reflecting back to you and making you feel threatened. So you have to look for some reason to tear them down in order to feel like you're balancing the scale. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a really good distinction. And I'm curious too, I've never heard of neurolinguistic programming. So now that you brought it up, tell us all about it because yeah. we're so curious. Yeah. So most people know it as NLP, right? And this is something I did multiple certifications in because how I work with people is very different from traditional therapy. There was a a period, I started as a musician because I thought that was my outlet because I needed a space to express myself within. And God knows I didn't have anyone to talk to for most of my life. So that seemed like a healthy medium, right? But what was interesting is I was always the kid who was reading psychology today and, and about different religions and ideologies. And I just always wanted to learn, right? Understand like, well, why are we here? What's the point of all of this? Because I just didn't get it. And I was raised Catholic and they couldn't ever, like the priests, the nuns, whoever was teaching my CCD classes could never answer my questions. Well, how do I know that? Well, you have to have faith. I'm like, well, but how if I don't, I don't see something, I don't feel anything. Well, you just have to have faith. You keep questioning things too much. You do this. And, but if I would just say God or Jesus as the answer to the question, I'd be like, you're doing great, right? But like, it didn't make sense to me. And so when I was looking into psychology, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, why do we do what we do? Where does it come from? But the issue with that is, and why I didn't go that route, is I found a lot of the issues that I had in my life just were reinforced in the process of trying to talk through with somebody because we spend so much time still talking about the environment, how you feel in the environment, how the environment is influencing you. So it's still in relation to something that exists outside of you. So when I started my company and I really started doing this, I wanted to give people tools where they could be self-reflective, right? Where we can look at not just why we do something or where it came from, which is 1000% important, 
but it can also feel like a never-ending roller coaster that we keep repeating over and over and over again because as soon as we, you know, find a block, which I hate that word, but find a block, which I call a perimeter of comfort, we, we resolve it, we progress, and then we have to find another one. We keep going back to our childhood looking for an issue, and it kind of feels like it's removing us from our present life, which is actually where change happens, right? So when I started my company, I wanted to develop tools that immediately felt actionable and empowering for people so that we can learn how to really stay present because presence allows choice and choice allows change. That is how it happens, right? So I thought, what is the best way to do this? So I had my hypnotherapy degree, which is really about being able to get in there, change our relationship with our subconscious, update that programming so emotionally what is driving us is in support and working in tandem with our conscious mind, where we intellectually understand why we want these things, but don't necessarily have the information that we need to be successful in pursuing it. And NLP is interesting because it's not about the why. It's about how we do things. It's about the language of the mind. What we do, right? What is our process? How do you know it's time to feel anxious? Because most people just go, oh, this happened and I was anxious. But how do you know it's time to be anxious? Are you feeling something first? Are you hearing something? They're like, no, 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 I just, I just, I'm anxious. But if you slow down the process and ask these questions and I'm working with someone, they're like, ooh, actually, first I see an external visual thing. I see a couple that's really happy in their relationship. Then I have a, a thought, which is auditory, right? Saying, you're never going to have that. And then I see a visual of me being alone. And then I kinesthetically feel this feeling of loneliness, right? That, and then I feel anxious. So that's their strategy for creating anxiety. I don't care where it comes from at this point. I just want to know how you become anxious. Because if we understand that, then we can begin to disrupt that process, right? We can get into the where your anxiety came from, how you'd like to show up instead, implement that through mental rehearsal and hypnosis. But it's so important to not just understand the why we do something, but how we actually do it and what we would like instead. I love that. That's adding another training to my list now because yeah. that sounds incredible. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And I mean, as a therapist, I am trained in talk therapy, but I'm going down the somatic route for that reason. Because it's like we can talk about our childhood and our family systems to no end. And I think there is definitely a place in that. Of course. But like, like you said, like breaking down kind of the patterns within that, that's, it's such a beautiful process. That's incredible. Yeah. Cause even with family systems, right? Yes. It's so important, right? When I'm launching everything with my subscription model, one of the first libraries that I'm launching is an, an inner child library, but from a very different perspective, because this is not designed to make you find the person that you can blame the reason that your life feels like shit, right? This is for you to gain understanding and perspective on how you got to be the way that you are. And even now when people say, oh, my mom's still this, I need this, I need this. Well, listen, if your mom could not be what you needed her to be when you were a child, when the stakes were so high, as a 30-year-old, she's probably not going to all of a sudden be able to satiate that. However, you can still use her as a mirror for what you're not able to provide to yourself because that's actually what your inner child wants, right? So that's a really practical, pragmatic way to use inner child work and understand if we have an inner child, we also have to believe that we have an inner adult. 
right? And the relationship between them is what needs to be bonded, not between you and your family. Because if you can come from this place where you have that internal bond within yourself, you don't need your parents to be any different in this moment. You can also accept them for where they're at and understand it because it has no compromise on the way that you show up. Mm-hmm. Well, and beautifully said, I think to it's not holding on to that energy of blame, like you said in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about finding someone to blame. Because even speaking from a personal perspective, when I started my therapy journey, I wanted to blame my parents so bad. I was like, it's their <laughs> fault and they're going to pay it for this, good. right? It right. feels good for a moment, right? Because we have, oh, well, why me? And we get angry and no one wants to hold on to anger and be like, I'm right. angry with myself, <laughs> right? Of course not. I'm angry because yeah. you, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do mm-hmm. this, but it becomes unproductive. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Pretty right. quickly. Yes, yeah. yes. And when you hold on to that long-term, even when you're doing the work in therapy, it's not going to do anything. Thing, right. So Fully. after years, when I was able to kind of let that resentment and let that blame go, that's when I even redefine my relationship with my parents. And it's so different than it used to be now. And yeah, I just think it's, that's a beautiful process that I'm sure all of your clients appreciate. Fully. Cause otherwise it's out of your hands. Right. And even with self-work, like I don't want anyone who's listening to this to feel this pressure to change anything about yourself because you think you have to, or you think it's holding you back. I promise you, if you do not want to do this, if you do not feel excited to do this, it's probably not going to be effective for you because we have to be able to move. We have to understand if we're not at that place, that is okay. Your coping mechanisms, your numbing behaviors, your protection mechanisms are serving a purpose right now, right? It's not always about breaking things down and breaking and rebuilding the constructs for yourself. Sometimes we can't handle certain things. That is okay. But the way to actually be effective in this work is come from a place of true want. And for a lot of people that, including myself for all of those years, that's why I had to wait until every single thing was destroyed around me. There was not one person to disappoint. Every single thing fell apart and the last final rug was pulled underneath me because then I had no choice because I did not want to feel like that. So I wanted to move out of it. For me, I had to learn how to break that cycle and how to really begin to connect with that want and that desire in a way that was actually sustainable instead of my life having to completely implode every two or three years for me to actually take care of myself. That's a really important. I'm happy that you figured that cycle out. And that yeah, thank you. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> Let's let no more of that for Tara. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. Love it. And so I want to go back actually just a little bit to you were talking about when someone feels anxious and really figuring out the steps to like, how do you feel anxious and what's causing that? And so then you said kind of rewriting the narrative of that. So what are the steps to that? So you know that you see the couple who are happy and then you you tell yourself you're not happy. Like, so then how do you rewrite that script? What does that process actually look like? Yeah. So I'm going to be just because I'm always honest about everything. There's no quick fix to any of this. There's no hacks. There's there's no general rule that's going to work for everybody, right? This is another thing, right? Like I don't approach people from looking at the DSM-7 and being like, you have seven of these symptoms, so you're this, right? You're no longer a person, you're a diagnosis. I refuse to do that. I think it's lazy. I think it's dangerous. And I think ultimately we're actually just benefiting pharmaceutical companies and not people. The reality is this. We are all individuals. We have unique perspectives of the world. We have unique perspectives of who we think we are within it. So we need a unique approach to learning about ourselves, 
right? So I can't tell you this is what you do to stop being anxious. If we're in a session and I have backstory and you're talking to me, I can. However, a great way to think about this, if you can create a little bit of psychological distance in that moment that you're anxious, try and develop some tools to come back in your body, whether that's stepping out of the situation, closing your eyes, taking a few, you know, four inhales in, seven out to try and trigger your parasympathetic nervous system so you can actually get off the amygdala roller coaster, as I like to call it, then you can maybe sit and mediate with that feeling, right? A great thing to ask in my trigger workshop, one of the exercises that I have for one of my trigger formulas is close your eyes, put your hand on your heart and ask, what is this feeling trying to protect or keep me safe from? Mm. It's usually pretty simple. When we intellectualize things, it becomes much more complicated because we like to think our problems are so like complicated that there's no way for them to be solved. But feelings are actually incredibly simple if we can get out of the way. And then when you hear that, right, let's say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to be judged. Then I'll, I'll have them continue and I'll say, thank you for protecting me from that judgment. Helps adrenaline levels go down, right? Your brain understands you hear it. You're responding in, in a really relaxed way. And then I ask my brain to do what it's supposed to do, right? Because we have to get out of the emotion. We have to get out of the amygdala and come back to the prefrontal cortex, which, folks, it's what makes us a fucking human being. So you better learn how to use it correctly, right? So this is a really great way to pull ourselves out of anxiety. To once we acknowledge the feeling, it's not about skipping over that because that's just suppression, right? And you're probably going to overthink and try and troubleshoot a problem that isn't even real and burn yourself out. And then, mm -hmm. you know, cut to you drinking four margaritas, watching The Real Housewives while scrolling through Instagram, right? To numb out. <laughs> yes. So after you, right? <laughs> From personal experience. Anyway, I, know, I, feel kind of, I feel triggered right now. Do you want to work through that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? So after you acknowledge the feeling and see what purpose it's trying to serve, I like to then give my brain a job. And I say, give me three options to choose from to navigate through this feeling. And then I get quiet. And don't complicate them. One might be, call one of your friends and tell them what you're stressed about. One might be, go for a jog to burn off this adrenaline. One might be, sit and journal about what you're afraid of and break it into smaller pieces. Again, your answers are going to be unique to you. But it's a great way to learn how to not be afraid of your feelings and actually do something with them that feels productive. So you feel like you're going back in the driver's seat and you're not just strapped into the back seat while the car is going off the cliff. Mm -hmm. I love that so much because you're really building up that internal communication instead of going on Instagram, following a website that says, oh, do X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. Like you are communicating with yourself and your emotions. That's so awesome. Thank you. I love that. And there's, there's another one in the workshop too. There's like four oh, other there? techniques. Oh. <laughs> but that, that's a freebie for you. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> well, we will link everything below so everyone will be signing up for more. So it'll be good. And I'm curious too more about um, hypnotherapy because I think there, it's so funny. As a trained therapist in all my trainings, we would always have to tell our clients, I'm not a hypnotherapist. We will not be doing hypnotherapy on you. And there was always this like negative connotation about it. So I want you to be very clear for the listeners so that people know it's not this like in the movies where people, I forget what movie that was, but like 
It was a thing. Like every movie that hypnotherapy is ever in. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Yeah. So explain it so everyone can get it correct. (laughs) Yeah. And can I just say something that's really funny um, in just direct relation to that? Yeah. I always have to tell people I'm not your therapist. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> right? so, so, yeah. Because they are very different things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, first of all, I'm not here for you to just dump your stuff on me. Not my job. And I'm also not here to hold your hand through everything. I'm here to ask you questions to get the answers that we need so that we can put that information into your subconscious so we can create tools and strategies for success, right? That's where the coaching piece comes in. Mm-hmm. That is how I work with people, right? So hypnotherapy. What is it? Are we going to do it and be under mind control and start clucking like a chicken? Absolutely (laughs) not. Unless you want to. If you want to, you will 100% do that. But you have free will within it. You're not (laughs) under anybody's, right? Um, Nothing's that powerful. So essentially, we're in a state of hypnosis multiple times throughout the day. In the morning and the evening, it's called hypnopompic and hypnagogic. It's the places where we're transitioning in and out of sleep our critical faculty isn't completely turned on yet. So what that looks like is this. Do you ever wake up and you're having a weird dream and you're flying and then an alarm goes off and you're like, wait, is that alarm or is this bomb about to explode? And then you're like, wait, what? No, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? When you're kind of pulling in and out of reality and dream state, right? Mm -hmm. That's hypnosis. When you're falling asleep and you're thinking, oh, I have to go to the store tomorrow. I ran out of X, Y, and Z and this and, oh, I feel like I'm flying, but oh, wait, no, I'm not flying. That's where we go to. Your brain waves slow down. Ultimately, we would love theta, but alpha is fine too, right? When you're in theta, there's no differentiation between fantasy and reality. So your subconscious is accepting this as truth. What we're doing in hypnosis is this. And a lot of people don't talk about this, but this is actually the process that puts you into hypnosis. We use overload in the same way that we use overload throughout the day where you overthink, but you overthink yourself back into your pattern. You may start with so much willpower and be like, I'm doing this today and this and this and this. And then two o'clock hits, you have four coffees, you go through, then you go on Instagram, your brain starts getting overloaded and you just kind of flatten and you feel completely, you know, when you just feel like a sponge and you feel like everything's affecting you and penetrating and things start bothering you that normally don't bother you. It's because you're putting yourself into a hyper suggestible state. But we tend to then continue looking at our triggers, right? We pick up our phone, we scroll through Instagram, we're like, I'm never going to look like that. Great. You just reinforce that. And then, right, then we go and we start comfort eating again. Then we reinforce that eating is comfort. That's how you are putting yourself into hypnosis. What we're doing is the same exact thing using the same exact formula, but in a controlled environment where we're then putting information that is useful to you based on, and again, I don't use scripts. A lot of hypnotherapists, and this is probably why a lot of people in the wellness industry don't like me, but because... I'm not here to make people well because I believe people are well. I'm here to be fucking real and give people tools and solutions that work, right? I don't use scripts because it's not my job to say, Alyssa or Chelsea, yes, you want to be confident? Well, here's confidence and it looks like this and this is what you're going to do and confidence is all around you once I get into a suggestible state because... I don't know what you think confidence is. You're going to have a very unique relationship to that word. And if there's conflict about you have a negative association to it, we have to deal with that before your subconscious is going to accept that you can be confident. So I always come from a place of learning and understanding. So I need you to understand what this is. I have to ask questions to get your unique answer. And then I take your unique answers and I use those through feedback in hypnosis. 
So that is what I do. We're co-creating together. I'm not doing anything to you. We are partners in this journey. I'm creating a structure for you to succeed within based on the information that you give me. A lot of people don't do that. They go to hypnoworld.com, download a script for confidence or a script for sleep, and they read it and, and that's it. And that's what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people have a really negative experience with hypnosis. And then they say, listen to this audio for two weeks, then you're going to feel confident. Some of that, you know, maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't. Right, yeah. right. And I think that's a perfect distinction. And that's it's why the work you're doing is so important and so different from everyone else. Thank you. I, um, I concur. <laughs> I agree. All right. It's settled. See, there's that no, Aries awesome. fully owning yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And I think it's, it's, yeah, I, as a therapist who also works as like an, a not therapist, I just appreciate all of the reasons you don't like therapy too, because the DSM is messed up. We're just ruled by insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. And again, it's just all that external like narrative of like, this is how things should be. And this is what healing should look like. And I'm going to be the provider above you. And it's going to be a hierarchy, right? So a lot of what you're saying is reciprocal, right? And listen, the last thing I want to do here is poo-poo on anything that people are doing and seeing results within. Because for a lot of people, even talking or admitting that there's a problem in traditional therapy is really difficult for them. And Mm -hmm. that's an incredible thing, right? I'm not taking away from that. I'm just differentiating why I went this route. I actually work with a bunch of therapists because I have clients who have OCD. I have clients who have PTSD. I have clients who are, you know, got really bad cancer diagnoses and I'm working with their doctors and their therapists and I'm a part of that team. So, I'm not against therapy. I think it's a beautiful way to open up. A lot of times what I will do is the client will give me access to their therapist and we can discuss what's going on in the session, breakthroughs they had, and then I could take those breakthroughs and the information, the conflict that they worked through intellectually and use that to create my Mm. personalized script for them in a session to just give them a tool that is filtering into their subconscious consistently in between sessions. So all of this can work in tandem. It's not that one is better than the other. Whatever you're doing for yourself, just have a team of people who are open and really want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. How powerful. Yeah. And it's it's both and, right? It doesn't have to be either or. 100%. Like you're saying. That's so important. That's awesome. So tell us more about the seed level and your newer company. I know it's been a year, two years. How yeah. long has it been now? It's been a year. It's so exciting. And it's been amazing. Kind of going along what we talked about in the beginning, I learned my value came from elevating other people. And I did that in every single work experience I had. I was always the last hired and I would accelerate to the top of the company. That happened even with To Be Magnetic, visibility-wise, right? A lot of people were tagging me in association with the brand, with Lacey or with Dr. Tara, right? Even though I was one of the last people to come on. Because I'm very passionate I I work hard. However, I've always put myself in situations through my entire work experience where I gave always the best parts of myself to somebody else and then would get stuck in this space. And this is the first time that I, I didn't do that. I kind of hit this point and was like, I, and I loved what I was doing within that company, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do for myself. 
And it became more and more obvious as time went on. And I was coming up with my own teachings and using my own methodologies, even, even with my manifestation coaching clients. So it was a very natural progression. And fortunately, they were very good to me in the process of me leaving in a way that is so shocking and very rarely happens, right? They were very supportive. And um, I just really wanted to create a company that was just based on the individual, not stuff, not things we want, not issues we're having with other people, just based on our own experience and how we learn to give things meaning and being able to ask if that meaning is still holds true and what we can do to adjust it to actually be in more alignment. So when I started meeting with clients one-on-one, I developed a few structures that we were working through that are is going to turn into the subscription model in the next couple of months. But the first workshop that I released was called Rehearse, Recalibrate, Review. And again, because I like everything to be backed in science as well. I'm not a woo-woo person. I'm not into the universe. I'm not into all of this stuff, right? Because again, what I found was so many of my clients were like, taking their codependency tendencies and transferring them now onto the universe. I did this and I did this and I said no and I blah, blah, blah. And I said no to this and universe, where is my thing? And just sitting and waiting for it. Again, the power is outside of them, right? And that's not to say, again, I think astrology has a valuable place. I think human design has a valuable place. I think gene keys have a valuable place. I think all of this stuff serves a purpose, but we cannot completely define ourselves by one thing. It's all a working off point, right? There's valuable information. If you don't like something that you hear, you have free will to change that thing, right? So it's not about this dogmatic relationship that we we tend to keep creating. So I wanted to really take that experience and take time away, take stuff away, and really just focus on feeling and teach people how to bridge the gap between intellect and emotion which a lot of brands have failed at, right? They're two separate things. And quickly, because that is so important to me, because we all feel, I should have done this. I don't have time. This is going to happen. So I want things that people are going to feel real change as quickly as possible. So that workshop was designed by tapping into your body's natural biological rhythm, by taking advantage of the three times of day that we are the most suggestible. And just FYI, people, these are the three times a day that we fuck everything up usually. (laughs) Okay. I like that that disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) Big disclaimer. Pay attention. Because whether or not you use my workshop, you can still take take advantage of these times of day. And that is morning and evening, right? Because again, we're in that transition from sleep to wakefulness, wakefulness to sleep. So there's a lot of suggestibility that happens there. And then naturally, if we use our body's biological clock or circadian rhythm between 1 to 3 p.m., the body wants to relax a little bit more right? I was talking to Dr. Tara about this and she was like, and actually we also have less neurotransmitters communicating during that time because the goal actually is to slow down. But what do most of us do? We grab a coffee, throw it back, create, you know, adrenaline and cortisol as a result, knock ourselves into fight flight. And there we are back in our programming, right? So if I wanted to create something to give people structure, so that workshop is about waking up, choosing a word to just very simple, not a mantra, a word. If I'm busy, my word is usually something like, slowly because you could see I'm like talk a mile a minute I'm like you can't see me but I'm flailing my hands around I'm from New Jersey right <laughs> so <laughs> so I constantly have to remind myself I need to slow down I need to save my energy I need to have more boundaries I need to say no here so in the morning 
We anchor that word in through hypnosis. We see ourselves through mental rehearsal, going through the day we know we're about to live to whatever degree, feeling that energy, using our senses to create that experience so it begins to feel real. So when we open our eyes, we're starting from that starting point. Midday, when we fall off, there's an audio called Recalibrate where you come back in your body, let go of any stress or energy you've held on to, see yourself finishing your day, go back. End of the day, review is going back and emotionally rewarding yourself for where you were consistent, paying attention from a non-judgmental perspective of where you fell backwards, and seeing how you would adjust that so you could bring that into tomorrow. If you're very busy and you don't have time, the audios are only 15 minutes each. I would argue everyone has that, and if you don't, you just need to get better at structuring your day. But because I know it's so easy to excuse these things, well, I can't because I have this and I have that, and I created all alternative practices for all three of those times of day. So this is a no excuse workshop. People who I work with who have immune disorders, who've been to like five neurologists, no one can help them, doctors, psychologists who say it's all in your head, symptoms have gone down. People have gotten off of medication that they were on, again, with the permission of their therapist, not because of me, that's not my job to tell you whether or not you should be on medication, but because they were given tools for success to structure their day, to come back into their body in the present moment. So in those in-between spots, there's more awareness of what is triggering them to go back into their story. So that's what that workshop is, is about. And then I released, uh, was that the question basically? Yes. Or, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to start going into like everything that's going to unfold. We'll be here for four days. Oh my yeah. goodness. No, that was, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, we were asking about the seed level and I, we wanted to know more about that workshop as well. So that's within the subscription plan. So that is available now. Okay. And it's also available. I think it's one thirty-five. Okay. or three payments of $45 you could awesome. do. There's a trigger workshop out now as well that you could get. The subscription model is still going to be a few months because it's like 17 video lessons, exercises for all of them, inner child work like you've never seen it before. I'm oh super proud of it. And then Good. every couple of months, another library is going to open, a mindfulness one, oh one goodness. for actually like walking meditations, a journal prompt library. And we're going to do sections, career, relationship to self, relationships, period. If you're starting a relationship, if you're dating, if you're trying to leave a relationship, I'm hitting yeah. every single place that people are having issues to give them tools that actually work. Trigger workshop isn't just, I'm triggered, I have to go do something to relax. This workshop is designed, that one formula I gave you, there's another one of those. There are two more tools to create psychological distance in the moment because, listen, we could sit and do hypnosis for 20, 30 minutes a day, but you still have 23 and a half hours to fuck everything up, right? So we also need tools that allow us to stay present and in our body throughout the day. So this workshop is loaded with those in addition to what a trigger actually is. It's really called a parataxic distortion, and it has nothing to do with the person outside of you. And everything to do with an unresolved feeling within yourself that you don't know how to protect yourself from or you don't know how to metabolize. So it goes into that. So we can learn because if we learn, then we understand and we grow. In addition to that, that has three audios, not just if you're triggered. There is one, you're triggered. There's one called release. You go in, deal with the feeling, bring it up, release it. There's one called confront. If you have a situation that you didn't get to manage the way that you wanted to, whether it was recent or in your life, you can call that person and do mediation via uh, in hypnosis and say what you need to say. You can gain perspective of seeing the situation, how it played out, 
rewind it, see the situation through that person's eyes to get a different frame of understanding, rewind it, see the situation with a good resolution. So that's another audio. And then there's a third audio called prepare, which is all about preparing your nervous system, your body and your subconscious to be able to step into a space where you will potentially be triggered, whether that's for the holidays, whether that's an up level at work to begin to make that real in your mind and body so that when you open your eyes to take physical action, you're not met with fight flight in the same way. Wow. I love it. That second one reminds me of like we've all been there probably where you get and something happens throughout the day and you don't respond to it the way you want. And then you're like taking a shower at night and you're in the shower and you're like, mm-hmm. shit, like I should have said this. <laughs> I should have done that. And you like yeah. rehearse the whole thing. And you're like, oh, I could have come out on top. Like yeah. this feels like a much healthier way to deal with that, <laughs> that unresolved well, yeah, because feeling. Because if you can take these situations and that's such a great view on it, because if you can take these situations just because it happened and it's in your past now, it's probably going to repeat, right? If you still didn't learn how to do it. So use it as a working off point to reinforce this new way of being, feeling in that space, feeling in your body in that moment, a new way of communicating. That's what we want to make real because the next time that happens, you will be able to actually lead as that version of yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. But so I want to participate in all of them. I want to do it all right now. Like, can we get started? How soon? That's incredible. But you, I heard you say that you're really proud of it and that you should be because these are things that especially at this time and like humanity is needed. And I think everyone can benefit from it. It's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. So, and you offer one-to-one coaching as well. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. So one-on-one coaching is obviously the most personalized, full access version of what I do. Although I will say I've made all of my tools in a way that you will get the biggest benefit from them because they're framed for you to be able to plug your unique experience into them. I'm not telling you what you're triggered about or how you should be feeling. It's all designed around you. One-on-one coaching is different because I get to go on the ride with you. We get to use these tools together. I'm fit, again, NLP. I'm watching your physiological responses and reactions. Are your shoulders going up when we're talking about this? Where is that tension? We dive into that. I use tapping to kind of uh, disassemble some of the beliefs that we're holding on to. To I, and I integrate shadow work into tapping as well because I think it's it's a really great union. I use NLP to help people learn how to visually reframe things, to learn their strategies and their processes. To really, I'm really good at almost like pattern recognition. That's what most people come to me for. And then once we recognize the pattern, understand how it's taking away from what we want and also how it's benefiting us, which is why we're doing it, then we can begin to create a new way forward, reinforce that in hypnosis. And it's a process, right? But even if uh, I'm booked out until May, uh, but I always say to people, we've been living with these habits and behaviors our entire life. And in the grand scheme of that, four months is not a long time for the opportunity to actually get in there and be able to do something about them. And we can do a lot, even in a single session, if that's all that you can afford, we could do it in a package. If you do like the six session packages, which are discounted, there's a three session package, whatever you can afford, we will make the most of our time together and create some kind of result. So you can leave with something tangible that you can keep building on yourself. Mm, That's incredible. And kind of on like a personal level, like what does your day today look like? What does your like person, if you don't mind sharing, like I'm so curious. No, I honestly, I don't mind sharing anything. I'm such an open book at this point. 
so right now my day-to-day looks like I need more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that list of things in the beginning, you were like, no wonder I'm yeah. so tired. So I can't wait to hear uh, what but this is. That was full honesty, right? Because I have a lot of stuff happening right now. I have a TV show that's in development where I'm working with people and sharing tools through that, that we're trying to film something to begin to pitch to networks. I've been working on a book kind of with similar offerings because, again, I don't get invested. There's a TV show. All of my energy needs to go there. I need to obsess about it. No, I'm also going to work on this book. So if the TV show doesn't work out, then I also have this. And I also have my subscription model that I'm doing stuff in. So I'm building those three things right now. One of the things I do with people is I elicit their values what their core values are. And we create what I call the value compass, which is your values that are ordered. And you have a clear understanding of why those are important. And when they're out of order is usually when we feel insane in our lives or unhappy. So I always defer to my value compass and ask myself, what is out of alignment? And right now there are a couple of things that are out of alignment because I got sick over Christmas. I've had house guests for the past two and a half months, so I haven't had really a lot of alone time. I've been booked out with clients. When I got sick, I had to move all of my sessions. So I'm working much more than I normally do because I had to put these people in different spaces, right? But I always make time for my freedom because it's one of the most important things to me. So I wake up early, so I get an hour and a half to myself to gently wake up, set my intention for the day, prepare my body for it. I feed my animals. I go into direct sunlight almost immediately because it's so important for a circadian rhythm. I come in, make my perfect meal that hits all of my macros. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I sit, I work with my clients usually in the early portion of the day. I always make time for food because I had such an unhealthy relationship with food. So I always do mindful eating, make sure I'm getting my full nutrition, make sure I'm being quiet and slow and intentional while I'm eating. I work out with my trainer almost every day for an hour. I do obviously my midday disconnect, whether it's for calibrate or a nap or whatever it is that day, depending. Yeah, I try not to go on my phone. I paint probably four or five times a week. If I'm not painting, I'm sitting and working on a song. And then in the evening, I watch like one TV show, two TV shows, and then I go to sleep. (laughs) So that's that's awesome. (laughs) And I see friends and stuff like that, obviously, Mm -hmm. also. But I tend to do that more during the weekend because I'm Mm self-employed. I love structure. And I love even using structure to create space for myself, which I do every day. I have little pockets throughout my day where it's just you do nothing now. And if doing nothing is laying in my bed and staring at the ceiling for 30 minutes, that is that is a good use of my time. Yeah. Well, and to talk about like recalibrating in that way, you know, I think that's so important, especially working with other humans and having so many projects and, and, you know, it sounds like you're good at knowing where your energy is at, but we always still need that time. Yeah. And listening to my body, you know, and that's so important for us because if I don't take care of this, I can't do any of the things that I want to do. I can't even show up the way that I want to, right? Because I can't connect. I can't commit because I'll be in my head thinking about how tired I am. So it's so important for us to create space just for ourselves. It's not selfish. It actually allows us to connect with the things around us, the people around us authentically, because again, because we want to, not because there's a pressure there. Mm -hmm. And so to round out our time together, I want to ask the question that we've all been waiting for. Uh 
you know, what keeps you curious and what are you currently curious about? Why is curiosity important? I know all three of us love this topic, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear your answer. Yeah, so I actually have a memory that is always comes up that makes me continue to be curious. And that is, I was a teenager and we were having a birthday party for somebody at my mom's house and my Aunt Mimi at the time, who I really looked up to, but in retrospect was always sad about something. I said to her, we were talking and asked, well, well, what are you doing? How are you? And she's like, oh, just, you know, watching the kids and, you know, her grandkids and stuff. And she's like, because if we didn't have, if we didn't have kids, what would we have to talk about? Wow. Hmm. Not her kids, right? Like, I understand we obviously genuinely want to be plugged into our kids, but just kids in general, kids at the party, because she was just kind of sitting and commenting on what they were doing. And I thought, wow, I don't ever want to be like that. There's so much to learn. There's so much to experience, right? When Even when I have clients and they're like, oh, I really want to travel, but I can't afford to make this. I'm like, travel. Go watch everything on YouTube. Learn about the culture. Bring that culture into your house. Learn how to do the recipe. You can still plug into the energy of travel, even if you don't have money, right? You can close your eyes and picture yourself on a beach and actually change your state in a matter of moments. So curiosity for me is the freedom to continue living. Because if we're not curious and we're not allowing ourselves to understand that there's still something bigger around us, if we think we have all of the answers, this is the best life is ever going to get. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just this mic gonna... was too expensive, but I'll do a, a metaphoric mic, mic drop. <laughs> I love that. We need to clip that and use that for advertisement for all of our podcast episodes. That, yeah, you're... I resonate with that so much, you know, and I think even getting curious about how we get stuck, like you said, like, I want to travel, but I can't. No, you can. Right. I think that's such a beautiful example. And and just to kind of jump off the back of how we get stuck. One of the first things I say to people when they come to me, because we have a lot of words that are thrown around in this industry. Oh, I'm healing. I'm on a healing journey. We're not healing. We're whole people. Mm. Some of the stuff that we learned growing up worked for us then and it's working for us now. We get to keep that. Some of the stuff we learned growing up worked for us then and now is doing us a disservice or serving no point at all. And that's where we have some wiggle room. But we learned how to do these things and we can learn how to do something else. So if we can look at this work, if you want to call it, as a process of learning, because that's what it is, it becomes much more exciting because that's what curiosity is, the hunger to learn, right? And as long as you stay hungry to learn, you will always discover something new. Love it. Thank you for expressing that. So yeah. important. So yeah, I, this was amazing. And I think people are going to learn so much from you and they're going to want to know where to find you. So where can they find you? What's your website? All that kind of stuff. Okay. The website <laughs> is theseedlevel.com. You can buy my workshops through there. You can book a one-on-one session on Instagram, because I'm aware not everybody has the financial capability to afford a workshop or a session, but actually there's a new thing called PayPal credit. So you can do three interest-free payments uh, over three months for anything, even a session. So it makes it much easier. 
But because I'm aware the state we're in, the crisis we're coming out of through COVID and all of the loss and financial loss and emotional loss that people have suffered, I really try to show up on my Instagram with really practical, pragmatic tools that anybody can access for free. I give lots of journal prompts, lots of new ways of thinking on there, lots of challenges, and I'm very active on it. If anyone ever has issues, I'm always available via DM. It just might take me a moment to get to it, but I do try to respond to every single thing. I'm on TikTok, not because I love it, but because (laughs) (laughs) a friend told me all of the reasons I should be, and she had a really great case. So I'm just like randomly dropping stuff in there, but I'm not highly active on it. It's more just like an an inventory for me, but who knows, maybe something will go viral one day. That's not my business, but um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but that's where to find me. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate all the disclaimers and everything too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this was such a great conversation, such an honor to have you on. And we hope that we can, yeah, we hope we can have you on again soon. So thank you. 100%. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. This conversation was such a good one. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can find us over on TikTok and Instagram at the moon in your mind. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of this growing community. We love you.